You are listening to a Geek Network interview. Be sure to hit the follow button to get notified when a new episode is available. You can also visit us at geek-network.com for your guide to the geek entertainment news you love. Created for geeks, by geeks, and remember to always geek responsibly. So today uh, we have another interview lined up. We got two students who will be performing at Decadence in just a few uh, few days, a couple of weeks, yep. give or take. So, um, you know, for our listeners and um, new listeners and new fans of your music, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I've been DJing for going on 12 years now, uh, but pr- producing for about three and a half, almost four. Uh, started off mostly like hip hop and stuff like that. Uh, did clubs in like Scottsdale, uh, and then from there slowly got into you know the EDM scene and you know going to to raves and shows and things like that. And that's when I was like made that transition into playing more like house music first. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was like you know it's kind of slow for me. And then I found you know more bass heavy stuff, and that's kind of when the bass music took off. And it's just been a a ride from there, man. Awesome. So you did touch briefly that house music uh, is where you got your start doing some hip hop. That was a little bit too slow for you, house uh, with the house music wise, um, you know, and finding that bass heavy music. So how uh, how did you really decide like I want to move forward and that's the uh, you know dubstep is kind of what I want to go ahead and produce. Oh uh, well, you know I did a lot of like house parties and things like that. You know. And actually, you know, we're here at Local Patrol, and this was like my first like residency, actually, like on Mill, and it was all house music. And doing that for like about a year or so, I wasn't really like going anywhere with it. I didn't see myself producing it or like playing it, you know, and like going to some of the Relentless Beat shows and like them having multi-genre events. I just found myself having a lot more fun with the bass artists. And that's when I started like really looking into other artists like that and found other kind of music. And I just like fell in love with like dubstep and, you know, some of the heavier stuff. So what um, what does a residency typically entail? Like what, you know, what was the gig like? Uh, how was that like for you as well? Uh, so for the one here, uh, it was just it was every Thursday night okay. and it was me and Medicine Mike. And we just did that you know, for probably like a year. And I mean, it was just playing to the crowd, you know, we'd have uh, just the normal locals that would come out and just eat food. And we just played to, you know, sometimes empty rooms, sometimes to a full house. Sometimes they'd move the, uh, the tables around and we'd have like a full dance floor. So it was kind of like, we had to be on our toes, you know, throughout the whole time, just kind of adjusting, going from like a slow night to like a super heavy night where it was packed out and we had to like really turn it into a club vibe. Nice. So. And um, your residency here, did you ever do any uh, back-to-backs and how does, or have you done any throughout your career, any back-to-backs? Oh yeah, I mean here I did, uh, mostly it was with Medicine Mike. Yeah. Um, then we kind of branched off and did our own thing. He went the house vibe, I went bass. Um, but some of the like notable ones that I've done is uh, District 13. Like me and him, you know, just we rip it, man. It's going off. Like we've done a couple, like four relentless, and just like random ones. Like we did the Christmas party. That was an impromptu one. <laughs> uh, 
we always joke. So we did a back-to-back for uh, Full Moon right before the pandemic hit. And it was literally the last thing that Arizona did before everything shut down. Yeah. So, like, we kind of shut down, you know, the world type of thing. So it's like a little joke between me and him. But, yeah, he's he's my go-to for back-to-back. So I've done one with Dylan Hecker, Voudreau, um, a couple other locals. But, like, yeah, District's the one that he's my go-to. Nice. I mean, I know you guys have a couple of uh, singles that you guys dropped out together mm-hmm. and worked on music constantly. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yep. Um what's it like you know having two minds kind of like come together and collaborate on a single song uh i mean for me and him uh because i mean we've been friends for a while now Mm -hmm. and so i'll start with an idea or he'll start with one and because we've been friends and because we know each other's workflow it's very easy you know he'll know what because he knows my music i know his music Mm -hmm. so that makes it easier to collab on a track versus someone that's like hey, man, I think our sounds would fit. Let's work on something. Because that's yeah. happened before where, like, people have reached out to me and it just doesn't feel right. Like, our workflow is awkward. You know, sometimes, like, I've had people that reach out from, like, different states and it just didn't work because the workflow just isn't there, the communication. Right. So, like, having that connection with someone, first and foremost, will make a better track, I feel like. Awesome. And then, I mean, you guys really bring that energy and it shows through your tracks with the singles that you guys have absolutely dropped together and um i have a theory just hear me out here okay um i still talk to some people from school uh you know part of the metal heads you know so headbangers um back in the day and now you know they listen to dubstep so just you know give me a little bit um what you think do you, um are, were you a metalhead in high school uh yeah i mean i did more like the emo stuff okay um i mean i, I wouldn't say i was a metalhead i just listened to everything mm-hmm. so like my playlists were everything from classical music to three doors down yeah to, to nelly you know it was kind <laughs> of like all over the place so but some of the more like emo alternative rock type of stuff was like very like you know something that i really like to listen to and i try to like incorporate that in some way into my sets even with like some of the heavier like metal stuff too so it's definitely like a go-to in my sets do you think you know they kind of go hand in hand like the emo kids grew up to be like the dubstep kids hell yeah oh yeah and then um you definitely crush your 2021 spotify rap numbers by man that that's impressive that's all i gotta say uh, that's hella impressive. Uh, so congrats on, on that, by the way. Thank just you. wanted to let you know. Um, how does it feel knowing that you have so many streams on your music? You know, again, the numbers have just jumped. And it's your music is now being listened to over 172 countries. Like, how how is that? Like, what kind on, of feeling do you get? Honestly, it's, it's, it's still surreal. Like, I, I don't know, like, how to, like, process it because it's, like, even though, like, yes, a million is a lot, for me, it's a lot. You know, for other people, it's, you know, that's chump change. But to know that my music is touching people literally across the world, it, it makes you feel like you're doing something. Right. You know, you're doing something for somebody else. And knowing that, because, like, one of the songs specifically, the one with uh, District, uh, the Sparta track, that one's really heavy in the, like, weightlifting scene. Okay. And with that, you know, 
I see it as like it's motivating other people to achieve their goals. Right. So that alone already brings like so much joy to me knowing because that was one of the main reasons why I got into music is just like giving people an outlet to escape. And I feel like within, you know, when you're working out to some people, that's like their escape, you know, it gets them out of their day to day and they have their that moment to themselves to just release all that tension. And if I can help in any way, like that's, it's a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I first listened to Sparta, I was like, I want to run, I want to go <laughs> kick something, you know, like, let's go. Yeah. Like, it's really powerful, motivated, baseball song, like you said, too. Um, and I will say this too, uh, your reaction video to Excision, you know, playing bubble bass <laughs> yeah. is just, it's so wholesome. It's so great to watch, you know, like, even someone like myself um, brings a big smile on my face. So what was, you know, going through your head at the exact moment when he, you know, he dropped that song live and you were so, there to witness it? At that point, it had been like a year that he had been playing it out. Okay. So the first time I, I heard it was over the EDC stream and it was actually on my birthday that he played it. So like I turned 30 and I was like, it was, so it was, like, it was a great gift, you know? Yeah. Um, but I got videos from everybody and their mother, you know, <laughs> from other shows and playing it. And so that was my first time. And it was towards the end of his set that he played it. So I honestly didn't think that he was. Okay. Because it had been so long that he had already played it. I was like, there's no way. Like, he's got to rotate it out of his, you know, set list by now. So we were, like, on the verge of leaving because we had been there since opening, you know. Because I just wanted to see all the artists. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, it's like 45 minutes in. I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, I'm tired. Let's go home. And we're like, all right, one more song, you know. Yeah. Sure enough, I hear... I hear the bubble bass coming in. I was like, oh, man. So I let my hair down. I was, like, ready to go. Everybody was cheering me. Everybody was going off. I like, I had tears running down my face. Like, seeing it live is yeah. different than seeing it, you know, in a video. So I was just, right. it was, like, a surreal moment. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, how do you feel, like, what um, exactly kind of vibes you get when um you know you since you publish a lot of stuff on on soundcloud and then you just have like other big producers just like comments on your track and because i know that's happened to you before you post about it so uh mm-hmm. is it kind of same thing like surreal or you know what emotions are going through, you know yeah so when when i see it on soundcloud that's that's organic mostly yeah so like to see that like other bigger artists especially like you know some of the people that like i've looked up to find my music organically and actually like enjoy it enough to either comment download it or whatever the case is like it's just like damn i'm actually like making something that people enjoy it's not even just those artists just people in general you know i see all the comments i see all the likes the reposts so like looking at it every day waking up seeing notifications mm-hmm. i'm like okay this is it's worth it's worth it yeah you know because i'm sure every dj or producers felt this where their music isn't good enough and they get in those slumps and i'm just like i get in that way too you know i'm just like damn like i'm not doing like what am i doing (laughs) but then i get those comments and those reposts i'm like okay it's i it's worth it now yeah so absolutely and then as a local artist how do you decide what project will be your next single or you know these set of songs these select songs will be be part of the new ep coming out you know say in a few weeks or a few months Mm -hmm. uh i mean for for eps that's really kind of trying to put together like a body of work that like flows together Mm -hmm. in my opinion uh some people will just kind of like throw a couple tracks together and just call it a day yeah but and nothing against those guys you know like either way it's still great music but 
for me, I feel like if I'm going to release an EP, all the songs have to have some kind of cohesive sound, some kind of story or, you know, something behind it that actually makes it an EP rather than just three or four songs thrown together. So that's kind of like where I go when it comes to, you know, producing music and like figuring out what's going to be on an EP. As far as singles, um, whenever I feel like releasing something, you know, like I really don't have like a set schedule, or at least I didn't. Okay. You know, this next, this coming up year, I've got it like a schedule of like when I'm going to release stuff, remixes, bootlegs, stuff like that too. So, are you all, um, are you just self kind of like publishing all this? Like, I'm deciding when I'm going to drop this, or uh, do you have somebody kind of, you know, guiding you? Like, maybe you should drop this certain single, you know, on this set date. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's all me right now. It's all you? Yeah. I mean, outside of some of the label releases, because they're the ones that kind of like choose when they want to release stuff. Yeah. But everything else has all been me. Nice. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Creative freedom, that's what I... Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then, um, as someone who is part of a creative field, how uh, how do you typically battle, you know, writer writer's block or creator's block? That's a good one. I had someone ask me about this the other day. Um, so, for me, like, it's rough because I can go, like, moments where I can knock out, like, two or three songs, no problem, you know? Yeah. Uh, other times I'm like spending months where I just can't find it. I can't create anything. So no, recently what I've been doing is like, I'll try to make other genres, you know, so like uh, make like some hip hop tracks, just simple, generic ones, nothing too crazy. Just, just to kind of get some ideas flowing, just to like actually make something, you know, I'll do some like genres that I don't normally make. So like I've done house tracks, I've done um, the hip hop ones. I've done some lo-fi stuff. You know, stuff that I won't ever release, but it's just something just to kind of, like, get some ideas flowing. Yeah. And sometimes that'll turn into another type of track. Like, I have some IDs right now that, you know, I'm sitting on that started off as just, like, a hip-hop track, you know. Or I'll do, like, a remix, and that'll turn into an original, okay. you know. So I'll do that. Um, I'll try to, like, listen to sets from, like, different festivals mm -hmm. from other artists just to get inspiration on, like, sound design from, like, IDs that they drop and stuff like that. Um, I'll get inspiration when I go to shows, you know, hearing, like, the newest stuff from all these artists. Like, yeah. So just trying to, like, stay versatile in everything that I'm listening. Even, like, just listening to other genres of music, you know, country to classical to rock, just to try to get some kind of idea. I think that's kind of what I've been doing lately. Okay. When uh, when it comes to working on a remix, um, do you you know do you listen to that song you know multiple times or does it come to you like you know I heard the song it it sound better you know if it was reworked this way or if it was reworked that way like what's your process with the remix? Uh, I mean it depends. So like with the flip that I did for Bass Cannon, um, that had been like just a song that I like loved for like the longest time and. I remember I was like just doing some sound design sessions and I came up with a sound similar to like the main bass leader that it had and I was like, oh wait, this kind of sounds like the bass cannon track. Yeah. And so then that's kind of what sparked that remit or that flip. Okay. Um, other times it's like, I'll take a classic song. So like the bubble bass one, you know, yeah. that one I started off as just an original and I was doing a side trance track just to kind of break the... Yeah, right? So I was trying to just break the, the writer's block. Really. Yeah. And so I was I laid down just like a basic side trance track, and I was like, okay. And then I accidentally um, sped up the tempo mm -hmm. in Ableton, 
And I was like, and I sped it up to 150. I was like, oh wait. And it, that's kind of when it dawned on me. I was like, okay, let me turn this into a remix. Yeah. And I just happened to be writing in the same key that Bubble Bass was in. And then it just kind of took off from there. So there's kind of like different ways on how I approach remixes. Yeah. So there really hasn't been like a, I'm going to do it this process every single time. So. Okay. And I guess that's a nice way to break, uh, break apart from, you know, playing, you know, every, every weekend, you know, again, kind of like a residency, breaking away from the normal, like, they just want to hear the top 40, you know, that, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Personally, mm-hmm. respect that. I dig it. That's, that's absolutely oh, yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Everybody has these. Um, talked about it off camera. Um, I have pre-show jitters all the time. So, you know, I always have to get a certain state before I can actually do these uh, type of interviews. Um, do you have a routine to combat pre-show jitters? And if so, what does it consist of? Oof. Um, a lot of the times it's just really just taking like five, ten minutes to myself. Just kind of like sit in silence or like in the green room behind stage or something and try to like, you know, calm myself. I mean, most of the time I don't really get, you know, pre-show jitters because I haven't really played too many big shows. Mm-hmm. But the bigger ones, that's where I'm like, okay, I got this, you know, I'll take a deep breath. Last year when I played Decadence, uh, the opening slot, that was the most nervous I'd never been. I was having a legit panic attack backstage. <laughs> um, like, my heart was racing. You know, it was the biggest stage at that point that I had played. And yeah. um, most of the time that I had played, like, opening slots, they open the doors right when the music starts and things like that. So, like, I'm normally playing to, you know, a handful of people for the first 30 minutes. And mm-hmm. that's when I can get any jitters out. But they opened it, like, an hour early, so it was already packed when I started. Oh, man. And so I'm like, well, shit, here we go. Yeah. And after, like, the first 10, 15 minutes, that's when I kind of got into my own groove. And, you know, I had been drinking, too, so it was a little (laughs) loose, and I felt good. So, yeah, generally the 10 minutes, you know, to myself to kind of calm down, and then I'm good to go. Nice. Um, Have you run into anybody backstage or in the green room that, like, just left you, you know, a little bit starstruck? Um... Did you ask them for any advice? Ooh. Um, starstruck? Not so much. Um, maybe... No, not really, because... I started, like, reaching out to, like, bigger artists through, like, social media mm-hmm. and just talking to them. And then, like, when I would actually meet them in person, being semi-friends or acquainted in some way... It just felt like a natural conversation, you know, like I never really was like, oh, shit, that's so-and-so over there, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, hey, what's up, man, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm too, oh, hey, you know, how you been, you know, how's it going, you know, stuff like that, so, um, the only time I ever felt like any kind of way, so, changed my name to Too Soon, you know, not too long ago, uh, so before I was Chromatic, and I went by that, and I had to change that because someone else got signed to, like, a bigger label, that went by chromatic. Yeah. And I actually met him a couple weeks ago and I told him like, Hey man, the only reason why I'm too soon is because of you. <laughs> and we had a laugh about it and you know, so it was just funny. And so like, that was the only time I was like, Oh shit, that's him. You know? <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like a star It was like, Oh, that's the guy. Uh, you took my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, that's about it. And then, so, you know, just want to squash this. Um, so to everyone who says DJing live is just pressing buttons and hitting play, you know, right about the ne- when the next song is about to come on. 
but in reality, it's not that. You know, I've talked to other people, have local friends, uh, you know, that do house parties. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more of what's really like being behind the DJ deck? So it starts before you're even back there. Hit the preparation. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, like for producers, you've got guys that spend hours and hours like making tracks, you know, just to only play 30 seconds of it. You know what I mean? So th there's all that preparation. Then there's actually getting the set ready. You know, you can go from a opening set where you have to like set the vibe for the night or the closing set or the middle set, you know, so there's different ways to actually prep your set in the first place. And, you know, trying to curate some kind of vibe without going too hard too soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's all of that. And then when you're actually performing live, you know, sometimes the equipment doesn't work, you know, so yeah. you have to on the fly, you know, maybe your cue points aren't set properly or something happens where your USB is corrupt and you have to just mix live. So those are things that you also have to prepare for. So if it's not just pushing play. It's like, yeah, most of the time it is just pushing play because I've done the proper preparation. Mm -hmm. But in those cases where CDJ isn't working or there's a loop or there's times where we do back-to-backs where we don't practice, like the last one that I did with District... We didn't prep whatsoever, you know, for yeah. the Disciple show that we just played. We literally just said, hey, I'm bringing a whole bunch of stuff in E minor. Okay, cool. Let's go. And we just did it. You know, I fed off of his energy, figured out, uh, you know, when the best time to bring in a new track is to, like, fit the vibe of the crowd and fit the energy. There's that play, too, is trying to make sure that you're keeping that energy up and making sure that everybody's dancing. Yeah. So... Being in the and um, you know the whole music industry for the past twelve years, you know um, everybody has their own different definition. But what would you say about the household meme that says if you aren't you know redlining, you know you aren't headlining? Like I mean, it's true though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean once you once you understand how the equipment works and you understand the flow of the night, you need to realize if you're a nine to 10 o'clock slot, you should not be playing banger after banger. You should not be playing the loudest that the sound system can get. Like that's just not how it's gonna work. Right. One, you're gonna get all of the, like yes, you can go off the nine to 10 slot, but if you do that, then everybody in the crowd is gonna lose their energy and then it sucks for the headliner because then half the people are like, all right, I'm tired, I wanna go. They leave halfway through the set. Yeah. Like that's not what it's meant for. You're not the star of the show. You're the opener. But your job is just as important. So, excuse me. You have to make sure that you play to your time slot. Simple as that. So, you can't redline. Doesn't <laughs> like you, you can't do that. <laughs> like the amount of times that I've seen, you know, the um the stage managers run up and like change volume for guys cuz they just like crank up the gain. I'm like, "Dude, what are you doing?" Yeah. There's times I've gone up and the gain's all the way up and they're, I'm like, dude, you just finished playing a 10 to 11 slot. Like, no, like, what are you doing? Calm down. Yeah. That's, you know, that's a cardinal sin in my, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> also another cardinal sin would be uh, playing a song, you know, that's created by the headliner. Like you drop it in your set too. Like I, I've yeah. been there and that's happened before. I'm yeah. like, you don't play that guy's song. Like mm -hmm. they're going to drop it later. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's one thing if, like, not saying that this is going to happen. So I have a remix with 
um, or a flip that I'm doing for the name drop with Excision and Woolen. Yeah. If I somehow got on the same lineup, I, I, I wouldn't play it. Right. Unless he told me otherwise. It's a different story. If Yuki came to me and was like, hey, you can play bubble bass, then absolutely. Otherwise, I'm not playing it. Right. Like, simple as that. <laughs> and then, uh, once again, you'll be at Decadence this year. Uh, but the first time, you know, uh, this is the first time you've had a midnight countdown set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you have anything fun or anything special planned? Um, you know, any big stressors about it? Uh, I mean, the stress is trying to figure out, like, how I'm actually going to do it because I've never done this. Mm -hmm. So, like, I mean, I've seen other artists do countdown sets, you know, with, like, some kind of long, drawn-out sound, getting on the mic and doing an actual countdown. So I'm going to try to put something together. Um, I do have something special planned. Uh, so, I mean, people are going to have to just wait and see. But, I mean, that's definitely going to be, like, one of the highlights of my sets. Yeah. Because I want to make it, like, long, drawn-out, build that tension, build that energy, and then... The ball hits, then you know, just go off and then just party the rest of the night. So, did uh, Relentless Beats reach out to you, or was it Beatbox that reached out to you saying, like, you're gonna have you know, this this slot? Yeah, uh, Relentless did. Relentless, yeah, did. they hit me up. They're like, hey man, do you want to play the first? They asked me if I wanted to play the art cart, and I was like, um, I don't know. And then, like, well, it's gonna be the countdown set, and I was like, oh, all right, say less. <laughs> so. so How's that going to play out, like, with the art cart? Um, do you have any idea how that's going? Or, you know, will you know closer to the show? Can you not talk about it? Uh, right now, I don't really know. I know that the the actual beatbox bus, it's just a bus. It's not like an actual art car. Okay. So, Relentless is supplying sound. Um, as far as I know, I'm not... They haven't really given me any, any information on, like, if there's going to be streamers or confetti or anything like that. So that's why I'm kind of like going to rely on my music to yeah. really set the tone, to really build that energy and, and turn it into something that people actually enjoy for the countdown rather than just like, hey, you know, three, two, one, happy new year. And then yeah. that's it. Like, no, I, I want to make it special. Okay. So. Sweet. Looking forward to it, by the way, just so you know. Oh, yeah. And then um, what challenges, you know, did you originally come across or did you have to face? coming up in the music scene, especially here in Arizona? So I started here in Arizona, but I started at a time in my life where like, so I had just come back from the military and all of like my friends from high school had gone off to college and moved away. And so like, I didn't really have anybody, you know, at that point. And I started DJing when I was in the military. And from that point I was like, you know, I want to kind of continue this, mm -hmm. but I just didn't know how to. And uh, a buddy of mine, a co-worker of mine, took me to a show, and that's kind of when I slowly started getting introduced to the EDM scene. Because uh -huh. I was already, I was doing, like, some house parties from just, like, random people that I met through work and whatnot. And eventually I met, like, promoters, and that's kind of how I got into the club scene. Okay. Um, but once I got into the EDM scene, I was like, I didn't really know anybody in the community. And so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to start throwing my own shows. Mm -hmm. And that's really what got me noticed by other people and noticed by RB. And from there, it was just like trying to find a way to connect with people without having those connections. That was like my biggest like issue coming up is yeah. not knowing anybody, you know. And I, I have people ask me all the time, like, you know, how can I get booked? How how can I get people to notice me? It's like. We'll show up to other events, show face, talk to the promoters, talk to the DJs, become friends with them. 
Yeah. That's going to be the thing that gets people noticed or gets, gets you noticed, gets your name to become a household name within the community. And it's kind of what I did. So yeah, it's definitely competitive market, you know, now it is. Yeah. Back then it, what, five, six years ago, there wasn't, I mean, I'm sure there was, but it wasn't as mainstream as it is now, if you want to call it yeah. that. So there wasn't as many locals as there is now. Yeah. So like, even then, like I wasn't always booked for shows, but there was still the same group of people that would get booked for stuff. Yeah. And it was a very small and tight-knit community. And then as it grew, as time went on, like more and more people started just like showing up. Now everybody and their mother's a DJ, which I mean, nothing's wrong with that. Right. Like, if you want to be a DJ, if you want to be a producer, go for it. Like, you know, live your best life. But it wasn't as competitive as it is now. Yeah. What, what would you say, you know, sets you apart from some of the other producers here in Arizona? <sighs> um, I think just experience, honestly. I mean, because every other person can throw down just as hard as I can, but knowing how to read the crowd, you know, knowing how to, you know, understand like your time slot, like I was talking about earlier. Um, and I think just promoting yourself as like a, because like when it comes to, to branding, yeah, it's you're selling a product to people rather than just the music. Because like I said, any, anybody can throw down the same songs that I'm playing, but what's going to set you aside is the branding. What's going to make you memorable to other people? You know, and I think because I've been here for so long and, and been a part of this community for so long, I think that's what makes people like, oh yeah, like, you know, that's Rob, you know, that's too soon, you know, so. And uh, from coming from, you know, house to, you know, doing dubstep and a uh, higher bass music, um, how do you constantly, you know, keep the energy up? Because uh, with playing something higher, more baser, you always have to keep that energy going. Like. Mm -hmm. um, I like to take my sets as like a roller coaster kind of. So, because I still do like some melodic stuff here and there. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be like those breaks. Um, and like in my music too, like I'll try to write stuff into my music that gives people a chance to like take a breather. So that way I can build that energy back up as well. Um, a lot of the like classic tracks that or remixes of songs that people know so they can sing along you know that also keeps the energy up uh and just really staying relative with what's out you know all of the new stuff that's coming out all from all the new artists you know i'm constantly scrolling on instagram tiktok whatever to see the new edits the new mashups the new some even sparking ideas for like my own mashups and edits you know, that's kind of how I try to like stay relevant and keep the energy going throughout my sets. Awesome. And then I just have two more questions for you. Okay. Um, so one of the biggest ones, um, I always like to close it out as um, you know, positive vibe. So if you could give your younger self any advice or any words of wisdom, what would you, you know, tell yourself? Uh, start producing sooner. Really? Yeah, I, I, like I said, I've been doing this for 12-ish years, and but I only really fo started focusing on producing like about three-ish years mm -hmm. ago. And prior to that, it was just trying to make wannabe edits, and but I never played them out because I didn't think they were good enough. You know, they didn't fit my style. So I think if I could tell myself like, hey, you know what, really focus on the producing because the gigs are going to come. 
there's no there's no short supply in there but focus on your producing because that's going to be the thing that people are going to recognize you for i think that would have been that that one piece of advice nice and then lastly you know we're here to talk about you so uh, where can we find you? Like your handles, any shows, any releases, any projects? What's coming up in your world? What can we look forward to? Uh, so all my handles are Too Soon Music, literally on everything. So you can find me on that. Uh, as far as like projects, um, working on an EP, uh, that's going to be a big one. Uh, I got a couple other like singles, got some re remixes coming up. My next one is the Name Drop one that's dropping on Christmas. Uh, so that'll be a good one. Uh, I haven't sent it out to Excision or Willie yet, so we'll see if he actually, like, you know, enjoys that one. Who knows? Um, I know, right? Uh, let's see, what else? I have some pretty big stuff planned. I got some news the other day for something pretty big for next year. I can't say too much yet. Yeah, but don't want to break any NDAs. Yeah, <laughs> that one's going to be probably, like, the most meaningful show to me. Let's put it that way. All so right. that's the one I'm most excited for for next year. Oh yeah, and um, any, any merch or anything? Uh, I so I do have a merch store right now. Uh, you can find it like on my Instagram and stuff like that. I've got the links there. Uh, I've got a couple different hoodies, sweaters, uh, t-shirts, beanies. I got all sorts of stuff. Um, I will be uh, dropping a new line of merch starting next year. So oh, yeah. that'll be coming out. So anybody awesome. can get it's ready. So hit the link, man. Awesome. Well, you got the exclusive here. So excited to see you at Decadence, and I'm looking forward to it. And thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, man. Appreciate, appreciate your time. It. Artless.io.